Christians believe we can find wisdom in God, which should help us understand that being a disciple isn't always easy. In fact, sometimes it's downright difficult and even painful. Jesus knows that. He knows it's not an easy path. So he insists that we understand what we're getting into. Because if we don't, then it's likely that we'll fail. Yes, we're called to be of Jesus and to follow him, but we need to start by truly considering the cost of being a Christian. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle C of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. As I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, Cycle C. Our first reading is from the Book of Wisdom, it's chapter 9, verses 13 through 18b. Our second reading is from Philemon, it's uh, verses 9 and 10 and 12 through 17. And our Gospel reading is from Luke, it's chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Uh, just a couple things to note. First, we do have readings from both the Old and the New Testaments. Wisdom is from the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scripture, while the letter to Philemon is from the New Testament, or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. So tonight we'll see that our reasoning is worthless, cultural norms can be bad, and the price tag is important. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. Our first reading is from the Book of Wisdom. For who can learn the counsel of God? Or who can discern what the Lord wills? For the reasoning of mortals is worthless, and our designs are likely to fail. For a perishable body weighs down the soul, and this earthen tent burdens the thoughtful mind. We can hardly guess at what is on earth, and what is at hand we find with labor. But who has traced out what is in the heavens? Who has learned your counsel unless you have given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high? And thus the paths of those on earth were set right. Our second reading is from the letter to Philemon. I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love, and I, Paul, do this as an old man and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might minister to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. 
Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back for the long term, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. And our gospel reading was from Luke. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with ten thousand, to oppose the one who comes against him with twenty thousand. If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. All right, so let's take a first glance at, at these readings and we'll ask ourselves, well, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around just a little bit? So our first reading was from the Book of Wisdom. And let me start by saying that Bibli biblical historians don't really know much about the writer of the Book of Wisdom. They, they believe he lived in Alexandria during a time when uh, the dominant philosophical position was that the body, the, you know, the human body wasn't really good because it weighed down the mind. You know, plenty of Greek philosophy was focused on that, on focused on overcoming the limitations imposed by the body. And that seems to be reflected in our first reading today when the author writes, the reasoning of mortals is worthless and our designs are likely to fail. And clearly he's not impressed by humans on their own. On the other hand, it's also pretty clear that the author is impressed by the, the total awesomeness of God, even though we have no idea what God's up to or what God has planned or what God has willed for us. And that is something we can still identify with today. We still ask those questions all the time. What, is, what does God want me to do? And just like the writer of wisdom, eh, we don't really have any answers. Now, unlike the author of wisdom and many of the philosophers then and now, Christians don't believe that our human bodies are worthless. In fact, we believe they are good because God created us out of God's goodness. So both the creator and the creations are fundamentally good. Of course, that, that doesn't change the fact that we don't have all the answers. Luckily, though, we aren't left hanging. 
right? God hasn't left us to our own devices without any guidance. Because as the writer points out, all wisdom comes from God. We don't just know all the answers, but but when we pray, read the Bible, and learn from others, God will show us the way. God will help our paths be straight. So the main message I got from our first reading is that we can find wisdom in God. Now, the tricky part is that even though we are good, fundamentally good, the writer of wisdom is correct in that our bodies can interfere with our minds and our hearts, which is why the message is that we can find wisdom in God. Unfortunately, many people go to God for wisdom, but come away even more mired in ignorance. I don't know if they're misunderstanding scripture, uh, if if they're listening to the wrong people, or if they're just being blinded by their own arrogance. But far too many self-proclaimed Christians end up demonstrating that worthless reasoning that the author warned us about. But if we can set aside our preconceived notions and and overcome our tendency to, to only hear what confirms our existing, sometimes narrow and usually biased beliefs, then we can find wisdom in God. Our second reading was from St. Paul's letter to Philemon. And you notice it just lists verses 9 through 10 and 12 through 17. There are no chapters to this letter. It's one chapter, basically. It's one rather short letter. And in this letter from St. Paul, uh, you may have a hard you may have had a hard time following what was going on. So let me summarize the story. Uh, Onesimus was a slave owned by Philemon who Paul was writing to, um, who must have been a a person of means, judging by other things in the letter, which we didn't read tonight. But Paul, like most people at the time, probably accepted slavery just as a fact of life. And Philemon, uh, like plenty of wealthy Christians at the time, owned slaves. I mean, even Jesus seemed to accept it as a, a basic reality because he would sometimes talk about treating your slaves well as opposed to insisting that slavery is evil and you're evil if you don't set all your slaves free. Anyway, Onesimus must have had some trouble with Philemon because he ran away and went to Paul for refuge. Now, while Onesimus was with Paul, he became a Christian. So when Paul sends him back, and and he does send him back, even though he admits he had considered keeping Onesimus to serve him, when Paul sends him back, he asks Philemon not to punish the slave. Instead, he asks him to accept Onesimus as a brother, because he's now a fellow Christian. As I said, we know Philemon was likely pretty wealthy, but we don't know if Onesimus was his only slave or if he was just one of many. Um, if he was just one of many, then it might not be too much of a of a loss, of a financial loss to free one slave. But, but Paul was still asking Philemon to give up what was deemed to be his right to punish Onesimus, which could make him look bad in front of his peers, and and it could encourage other slaves to try something similar, right? To other slaves to encourage them. Well, 
Onesimus did it, let me run away. <laughs> so even though Paul doesn't condemn Philemon for owning another person, in fact, the entire uh, relatively short book reads sort of like a warm letter from a very respectful friend. So even though, was, even though there's no condemnation of slavery itself, we need to understand that it was still a somewhat challenging call to discipleship. Paul was asking his good friend, his very good friend, to go against something that was deemed completely acceptable by virtually everyone at the time. He was asking Philemon to go against cultural norms in order to honor the discipleship of a man he owned. So the message I got from our second reading is that the call to discipleship isn't always easy. Like Philemon, we might find ourselves being called to do something that goes against cultural norms, something that seems odd or even wrong to those who aren't Christian. Or like Paul, we might find ourselves in a position where we need to challenge someone else, maybe someone really close to us, to, to go against those cultural norms and do something that might be uncomfortable for them. Sometimes being a disciple is sort of easy because what we want to do is also what we're called to do. But sometimes what the scriptures call us to do goes against the norm. And at times like that, the call to discipleship isn't always easy. And finally, our gospel reading was from Luke. And in this reading, Jesus he's doing something similar to what Paul was doing. He's asking us to change our paradigm. He's asking us to think differently about what it means to be a disciple. And in the reading, Jesus begins by talking about the need to hate your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and life itself if you want to be his disciple. You have to pick up your cross and follow Jesus if you want to be his disciple. And after giving a couple examples, he ends with this. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. And if you remember, there was a huge crowd of people following him, at, at, following him at the time. And he tells them, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. It's a harsh message, but it's found in a gospel that was written during a time when they still believed Jesus would be coming again very soon. Whether or not Jesus actually said this, or whether this was just a paraphrasing of his message or a way to get across his message, we're not sure. But the challenge for us is to figure out what it means for us today. Now, over the centuries, there have been plenty of Christians who really have renounced everything, and joined religious communities, or they've become ordained and served the church, or there have been plenty of people who simply gave away most of their possessions as their lives went on. But that's not what the majority of Christians do today. So why would Jesus say that we need to renounce everyone and everything if we want to be his disciple? Well, it's probably because we need to be prepared to not let anything come between us and our Lord. 
our biggest challenge as disciples of Christ is to always put God first. And part of the challenge is to figure out exactly what it means to put God first. Now, in the gospel reading tonight, Jesus gave two examples. One was about planning your tower before you build it, and the other was about making sure you, you don't go to war with an army that's too small. Then he concludes by saying, therefore, you need to give up all your possessions. Now, it seems like a bit of a non sequitur, doesn't it? it <laughs> how does giving everything away follow these two examples of plan well? Sure seems like a weird conclusion to make from those two examples, don't you think? Well, if that's what you're thinking, you're probably right. It, it is a weird conclusion to, to come to from, from those two examples. The conclusion, though, actually points back to Jesus's first statements about not letting anyone come between you and God. The first part was, don't let anyone, right? mom, dad, brother, sister, don't let anyone come between you and God. And the last part was, don't let anything your possessions. Don't let anything come between you and God. The examples in the middle weren't examples of doing that. They were lessons on knowing what you're getting into. Jesus doesn't want people to agree to follow him on a whim. He doesn't want them to, to be inspired a little bit and say, hey, count me in. He wants them to think about it and to understand how hard it might be. He, he wants us to understand what we need to ultimately be willing to give up in order to be a true disciple. So whether you're planning to build a tower, fight a war, or follow Jesus, you need to understand what you're getting into. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that we need to consider the cost of being a Christian. When someone goes to an inspiring church revival, gets all fired up and decides to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, have they really thought it through? Do they really know what they're getting into? Uh, when a young person gets confirmed because mom and dad said they have to, have they really thought about what it means to be a true disciple of Christ and what they might be called to give up? No matter who we are or what our particular circumstances are, the fact is that we need to consider the cost of being Christian. All right, so let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Wisdom, the main message I came away with was, we can find wisdom in God. In our second reading from Philemon, the main message I got was the call to discipleship isn't always easy. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was we need to consider the cost of being a Christian. I'm sure most Christians would argue that becoming a Christian is always a wise choice. But our gospel reading tonight seems to say not so fast. As Catholics, we believe that we can find wisdom in God. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we receive through our confirmation. And that should help us understand that being a disciple isn't always easy. 
In fact, sometimes it's downright difficult and even painful. Jesus knows that. He knows it's not an easy path, which is why he insists that we understand what we're getting into. We need to know what we're signing up for. Because if we don't, then it's likely that we'll fail. Yes, we're called to be disciples of Jesus and to follow him, but we need to start by truly considering the cost of being a Christian. So let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall and ask ourselves if our path has become clear. To do this, I like to answer two questions. So what and now what? Okay, so what? Why should we care about any of this? Well, we should care about this because most people don't understand the cost of being a disciple, and they really don't care. They're happy to call themselves Christians, quote a a few select passages from Scripture, and then just condemn everyone that doesn't belong to their church. Too many Christians let people and things get between them and their Lord. Oh, and then they practically worship the, the mega church pastor who tells a funny joke followed by an inspiring story and then selects a few lines from scripture that make them feel good and make them confident that God is going to reward them and make them successful. Too many Catholics still believe that salvation can only be found in the Catholic Church, even though Vatican II clarified that God offers salvation to everyone. And we believe someone can be saved even if they demonstrate God's love without knowing or believing in God. Like the Spirit can give us wisdom if we're actually open to it. And if that wisdom helps us to make the decision, the the real well-thought-out decision to be a disciple of Christ, then we better be prepared to give up whatever we need to, regardless of what that charismatic preacher wrote in his latest international bestseller. And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do? Where do we go from here? Well, like the person planning to build a tower, we should start by figuring out what it's going to take to be true disciples of Christ. What might we need to give up? And what cultural norms might we have to challenge in order to stay on the straight path? So with that in mind, here's your real question for the week. As a Christian, what should I be doing that makes me uncomfortable? Now, something might have popped into your head as soon as you heard that question. Or you might be thinking, I'm already doing what I need to do. Regardless, I strongly suggest you spend some time with this one. (laughs) And don't be afraid to look at the cultural norms that have developed within the church. Remember, slavery was accepted by the early Christians. It seemed just fine to them. But true disciples of Christ would never accept it today. So don't just look out at society. Also take a good hard look at what the church treats as acceptable today. And then ask yourself, as a Christian, what should I be doing that makes me uncomfortable? Well, before I wrap things up, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. As you're thinking about these difficult things that you should do but have been avoiding, 
Remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Even Jesus had tough decisions to make, and when he did, he turned to the Father for wisdom and guidance, and he chose to do what the Father willed. You and I, we can do the same. All right, we've come to the end of our time here together. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again next week, but in the meantime, I encourage you to use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Read through a passage a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Try to open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by The Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and The Real Values Framework. Real stands for Respect, Engage, Accept, and Lead. For more information on The Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the New Revised Standard Version Bible, copyright 1989, by the Division of Christian Education of the National Council of the Churches of Christ in the United States of America. Used by permission, all rights reserved.